Well, I'd like to give you a very warm welcome to our morning service here. Whether you're here in the building with us, it's great to have you along with us, or whether you're listening online, we're thankful to have you with us. And just a couple of notices before um, I pray to start. Uh, Just a reminder that it's the last day to sign up for the fellowship lunch, which is next week. Um, There's a list in the foyer just outside with a list of things to bring um, with you. Um, I do encourage you, if you are um, wanting to attend that or coming along, you're more than welcome to come along. But please, if you can, put your name up on the list so that Jane knows um, for food and for numbers and so forth. It would really help her out. So by the end of today, if you could please, if you are coming, put your your name up on the list. Um, The other thing is, it's just an encouragement, really, that we have um, a Hope Explored course again this Tuesday that Jane and Martin are running. And I just encourage you all on Tuesday to just take some time to pray for that. um, I'm sure Jane and Martin would really um, be encouraged by our prayers isn't it so important, isn't it, when people are being taught the word of God and being taught about um, what this um, hope is that we have in Jesus. And we just pray that as they speak to these people that they, they are dealing with, that they would really get across, you know, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And that Jane and Martin, as they speak to them, that, that um, Christ-like spirit that they have will shine through to these people. And we just pray, don't we, and we long for more people that we know and we come in contact with to be brought to know Jesus Christ. So I do encourage you to, to pray for that course this coming Tuesday. And um, just a reminder as well, at our 6.30 uh, service this evening, we have John Woods uh, preaching for us, so we're really happy to have John back here, so I um, encourage you to pray for him today before he preaches for us uh, this evening. So shall we just commit this time now to God in prayer? Heavenly Father, we just come before you now, and we thank you so much that you have given us the Sabbath day to, to be holy, to be set apart from all the others, that we can come to this church here today, this building, to worship and to be taught your word. Lord, we thank you so much that we can just be um, free from thinking about other things in our lives. We can be free from thinking about work and we can just concentrate wholly on you. And we just thank you so much that as we come here today, we have a building and a church which can have your word preached freely to us. And I just pray whether we're here in the building or listening online, that your Holy Spirit would be working in and amongst us. Help us all to be attentive to the things that we hear. Help us to open up our hearts to what we're hearing and all the things that we're taught we would take on board. But we just pray, Lord God, that we would know you in a deeper way. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in a moment when the music starts, we're going to be singing two songs. So the first one that we will be singing is As Morning Dawns and Day Awakes, and then straight afterwards we will be singing There is a Higher Throne. So please be standing when the music starts.
can find our reading for this morning in Exodus 18. If you're following in your Bibles, you can find that on page uh, 59. So Exodus 18. And we're picking up from last week. We were listening, weren't we, where the people were grumbling and Moses um, struck the rock and provided the water for the people. And then um, a little bit further on, we were hearing about how Amalek was attacking the people of Israel and yet when Moses' hand was raised high, they were winning the battle. And we're picking up um, just after that battle when it was won in Exodus 18. So Jephro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people. How the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, had taken um, Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her home along with her two sons. The name of the one was Gershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. And the name of the other was Eliezer, for he said, the God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Jephro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness, where he was encamped at the mountain of God. And when he sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law, Jephro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons with her. Moses went out and met his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. And they asked each other of their welfare and went into the tent. Then Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had come upon them in the way and how the Lord had delivered them. And Jephro rejoiced for all the good that the Lord had done to Israel, that he had delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians." Jephro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hands of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods because in his, this affair they dealt arrogantly with the people. And Jephro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. The next day Moses sat to judge the people and the people stood around Moses from morning until evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone? And all the people stand around you from morning till evening. And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, They come to me and I decide between one person and another and I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, What you are doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Now obey my voice, I will give you advice and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. And you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties and of tens. And let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you, 
you will be able to endure and all this people also go to their place in peace. So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Moses chose able men out of all of Israel and made them heads over the people, chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties and of tens. And they judged the people at all times. Any hard case they brought to Moses, but any small matter they decided themselves. And then Moses let his father-in-law depart and he went away to his own country. And we really look forward to hearing what Mark brings from that passage from us a little bit later on. So we're going to sing again now our first song. Praise him, praise him, Jesus our blessed Redeemer. And again, please stand when the music starts. Then afterwards, if the children want to come to the front, Luke's going to be giving the children's talk this morning.
Good morning, everyone. I hope you've all enjoyed half-term. Now, some of you have probably been busy getting lots of exercise in, or has it been a lazy one? No? Maybe a bit of both, maybe. Right, well, I've got a question for you. What do you use this for? How do you even hold it? What do you use it for, Katie? Sorry? To, yeah, and what, what, what about your strength? What does it do to your strength if you use it a lot? Makes you stronger, yeah. If you use this, and maybe um, equipment like this, and it can make you stronger, maybe help build up your muscles. Now, when you're doing things, you're, you're training yourself, aren't you? Now, have you ever done any training for anything? Did you? Yeah, for an athletics competition. Okay, so you might need some trainers, yeah? Maybe you're running, maybe running a marathon. Well, maybe you haven't run a marathon, but you might know people that have run a marathon. And, uh, and they need some good shoes, and they train. And, and how, how would you train for a marathon? If you're running a marathon, what would you do? Harvey? Yeah, you run, yeah, maybe run a mile to start with, and you build it up and build it up, wouldn't you? And the more you run, what happens the more you run, the more you practice? Yeah, the faster you can get, or maybe the further you can go. Yeah, and, and what else do you train for? Or what might someone train for? Emmy. Football, yeah, do, do some football training. I haven't actually got my, anything football related in here, but you need to. Maybe your football boots, and if you practice football, what happens? Or what's the idea? You get, you get better, you get, hopefully you get better at football, don't you? You get some more skills, yeah. What else, maybe, can you think of things that maybe you've trained for? Oh. Swimming, Yes. So you might need your goggles, yeah? And you train for swimming. And what would, how would you train for a swimming garden then, Katie, do you think? Yeah, just say, go to the swimming pool and just keep doing lengths. And the more you do it, what happens? The more you practice your swimming. Yeah, the better you get. Maybe the further you can go or the faster you go. And anything else that you've done in your training. Maybe you get in year six, I think, maybe you get a certificate at the end of it. Something that you train for. Um, that, so, yeah, you, you, you absolutely do. Yeah, that's right. And that's, that, I've already got that down as running. There's something else, a whole other thing that you might train for. Uh, maybe, yeah, because you can train for all sorts of things, can't you? And you can train for a job as well, get a skill. But I'd actually thought of maybe a cycling efficiency. So, you've got your cycle helmet. Yeah? And when you train, hopefully, that means you, the, it's the faster you become or the more you can do of something. And, uh, and that's good for our bodies, isn't it, to, to train? Because what happens if you, get, if you do lots of running or lots of cycling, hopefully your bodies are nice and what? What do they become if you start training and exercises, Katie, do you think? Stronger, yep. Hopefully healthier, maybe faster. You're absolutely right. And so in the Bible, it all talks about training. The Bible is actually full of quite a lot of illustrations about training for sports. And there's, um, and uh, Paul talks about it a lot, about the Olympics, and he uses running and things like that a lot. And the Bible actually talks about training, and, and it, says, it, it, it speaks about it. Oh yeah, we've got the verse up. Would someone like to read it out in a nice, big, loud voice? Emmy, your hammer straight up. Godliness. 
wonderful. Well done. Thank you very much. So, it's a quite a long verse, isn't it? But the Bible says, train yourself for, God, for, for godliness. So it says, for while bodily training is of some value, because that makes us healthy, one day, what's going to happen? Are we still, when we, if God spares us to 80 years old, do you think we'll still be in the gym lifting weights and running marathons? I mean, we might. It happens, doesn't it? But I think it's probably less likely than when we're younger. Um, and uh, the Bible says, train yourself for godliness. What's godliness? What a long word, isn't it? It's got God at the start. To be like God. Spot on. Well done, Katie. Yeah. So the Bible says to train yourself for godliness. And so when we become a Christian, that's what we want to do. We want to train ourselves for godliness. But how do we train ourselves to be like God? Do we need any of this equipment? No, definitely don't need any of this equipment. By praying? Yeah, that's definitely one way. By believing in Jesus, you're having faith. Where does faith come from? Faith comes from God, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and how would we get wisdom, Katie? How do we get... Sorry? Yeah, from God, and how might... What might God use to get that wisdom in us? Yeah, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, when we are, when we are doing what? Yeah, reading the Bible. You're absolutely right, Katie. Because um, the, the, the Holy Spirit will teach us from the Bible. So we need to read the Bible. Now, if you can't read that well, or if you find the Bible a bit tricky to read, because some of it is very tricky to read, then you can always ask your grown-up, and they can help you. And, you, and you've got your grown-ups at home, and you've got your Sunday school teachers, you can always ask them if, you're, if you want some help with reading the Bible. And that's a good way of us training to be like God. And, uh, and, then, and it says here that the only body trainers have some value, because one day it won't be worth anything, will it? Because one day, one day we'll all die and it won't matter. Whereas if we train ourselves for godliness, it says, what does it say about godliness? What are we going to get at the end of it? It holds promise for this life, and the life to come. So if we, if we become like God, it means that when we have the, the life to come, so when, we're, when we die and we, go to, and we go before God, then if we've been training ourselves in godliness, it holds great value. So what I want to encourage you to do is, if you exercise, keep up your exercise, because the Bible says it has some value, but that's not the value that's going to help you get to heaven. And uh, we want, what we want is God, to, to, when we're a Christian, to teach us and use things like reading the Bible and praying and following what Jesus says. And those things will be training godliness. It'll be like lifting a weight. So when we're practicing our godliness, when we're reading the Bible, it's like we're exercising and we're training ourselves to be more like God and improving. So like we improve when we do extra swimming lengths or when we're running around the running track, we're getting better and stronger and we're, get becoming, and, uh, we're getting better at that activity. We want to be getting more like God. And at the end, the end of a running race, what do you get if you win? Yay, you get a medal. First place. Excellent. And what do you get? Do you get a medal if you get to heaven? Is it better or worse than a medal? Definitely better than a medal, isn't it? This is rubbish. A gold medal. We get eternal life. We get to be with Jesus forever if we put our trust in him. So, what I want to encourage you to do is to keep reading your Bible. Ask God to make you more like him. And, and he will absolutely answer. That's what he wants for all of us. Alright, so hopefully that will make sense to you. Keep training in godliness. That's what we want to do. All right? Brilliant. Thank you very much for listening.
Thank you, Luke. Should we come and pray to God again? Should we bow our heads and pray to God? Father God, again, we just thank you so much for your teachings. We thank you for, for your word that we have been given to train us and to teach us in your statutes and in your laws. Lord, the children in Thrive this morning have been learning about your commandments and how they were sweeter than honey to David and more precious than fine gold. And I pray that each one of us would, would have that same um, feeling and emotion for your laws and your commandments and that um, hunger and desire to, to follow them and to just do the things that you want us to do. Lord, we, we think about what Luke was just saying just then to the children about being trained um, in your way, Lord. And we just pray that these children at such a young age, Lord, would be um, picking up their Bible, they'd be reading it day by day, they'd be praying to you. And Lord, I pray that you'd encourage us as parents also to, to read and pray with our children, to build them up, to, to know and to love you. And Lord, we pray that it would, it would develop a, a habit that would last the rest of their lives. Because like we said, Lord, at the end of our lives, it's not a gold medal we'd be winning, but we'd be um, gaining eternal life through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you so much for that. And I thank you so much that these children are so bright and they're so intelligent and they do know about who you are and what you have done. And I just pray that that, that head knowledge would become heart knowledge and that your Holy Spirit would work in their lives. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you are such a, a gracious God, a loving God, a mighty God. And Lord, we can come before you as a people that, that are full of sin, that are wretched before you, but yet you see us as white as snow because of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done. Lord, I pray that as each day goes by, us as adults too would be taught, would be trained, would be building ourselves up through your word. Lord, we just pray that we would not be... Um, inconsistence with our Bible reading, with our prayer time, but Lord, that your Holy Spirit would encourage us day by day. I pray, Lord God, that you would set all our hearts on fire to want to serve and to know you better day by day. Lord, we're just so thankful that we, in this country, have your word so freely available to us, Lord. We can go to our, our libraries at home, we can go to our bookshelves, we can pick up your Bible and your literature as we please and we can read it, but there are so many people in this world that don't have that um, readily available for them. And if they do, they have to hide it. And if they're found out, Lord, that they are put to death. And we pray for these people. We pray that you would continue to strengthen and help them, Lord. And Lord, when we read about these stories of people that are persecuted in other countries, Lord, they show such faith and commitment to your word, Lord. And it makes us feel... <coughs> so helpless back here, Lord, and it puts us to shame sometimes with our faith. But we are um, one people are under you, Lord, and we just continue to pray for them. Even now, Lord, there'll be people in prison for you, being persecuted for wanting to follow you. We pray that you would keep close to them and help them and guide them and keep them um, praising you. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for, for this service that we have here. We thank you so much that we can come into a building and we can worship you. Lord, we can hear your word and preach to us. Lord, we thank you for, for Thrive and for Rooted also, where young people and teenagers can come and be taught and listen and hear your word. We pray that you would just bless those um, ministries here at Forest Fold. Lord, we know that over so many years, Lord, we've seen so many people who have had their lives changed by the messages that they've heard. And we just pray that that would continue to um, be the case, Lord. We know that it is nothing that we can say to these teenagers and children, Lord. It is all to do with you working in their lives. And we just pray that your Holy Spirit would work in and amongst all the works here. 
Heavenly Father, we do pray for things that, that are out of our control completely and we think about the wars that are, are rumbling and going on in this world at this moment. We continue to pray for the conflict in Gaza. Lord, it seems every day we read something else that is escalating out there. Lord, it seems um, just such a sad, sad situation and I just pray that you would um, intervene in that if it be your will. Lord, we know that there are many Christians that are involved in that conflict there and we pray that you would be close to them. But we pray even in conflict and in danger, Lord, that they would be able to shine their um, witness to those around and about them. And Lord, we think about um, what's happening in Russia as well and the Ukraine. Again, it seems to be um, kicking off again and we just really do pray Again, Lord, that your hand would be upon that. Lord, we know that you can bring wars to an end as you please. It was just last week we were reading and hearing about Moses, how he raised his arm and he won that battle. Lord, you are that same God today. If you want a war to finish, Lord, it is well within your power. And Lord, we just pray that if it be your will, that you'd bring these conflicts to an end. And Lord, we do thank you that you are in control of all things. Lord, we seem so helpless and lost so often in the things that we ask and pray for. We feel that there is no answer. Lord, there are many people that we know that suffer with um, many, many problems, whether it's mental illness, depression, all sorts of things, Lord, and they, they see no way out. And we just pray that at this time that you would speak and be with them and help them and guide them and bring them out of that darkness that they may be in, Lord. We thank you so much that you are a God that does bring light, does bring comfort, does bring healing, and we pray for, for those that are suffering at this time through it. Again, Lord, we pray for our friends and our family that do not know you. Lord, there is so many of us that sit in this building week by week who have loved ones that have no interest whatsoever, who have been here in years gone by yet have wandered away. And we pray, Lord God, that you in your sovereign grace would bring them back to to us here, that you would speak to their hearts, that you would change them in a way that only you can. And I'm so thankful myself, God, that that I know that it is nothing that I can say to to friends or family about you. It is all down to you working in people's lives. And I pray, Lord God, that you would continue to work in those that have gone and left us, Lord. Lord, sometimes it takes days, weeks, but sometimes it's years and years before there is any um, sign of revival there. But Lord, we just leave these um, people and loved ones in your capable hands. Lord God, we just pray for Mark now as he comes to uh, speak to us in a moment. We thank you so much for Mark and for for all that he does, not just with his preaching here, but with uh, the YPs as well and Rooted. Lord, such um, faith and commitment he shows to to teaching and his love and his thirst to teach uh, those young people and teenagers about you and get across your message to them. I pray that you'd be with him um, this morning as he teaches us from this passage in Exodus, Lord. I pray that you'd really help him to open it up and expand it to us. And I pray each one of us here would be, again, attentive to what we're hearing. Take it on board. Listen, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be working in and amongst us this morning. So, Lord God, do be with us now, we do pray. And we pray all this in that precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, so... After we sing our next song, Mark is going to be coming up and speaking to us from that passage in Exodus. Uh, the title's quite interesting, A Couple of Days with the In-Laws. I don't know how many of us would um, enjoy that, you know, but I'm sure that there are many of our in-laws that have um, many wise things that they can say to each and every single one of us, and I'm sure that we're, we're all looking forward to hearing what Mark's got to say from that passage. But we're going to be standing when the music starts in a moment, and we're going to be singing, Sovereign Lord, We Sing Your Glory.
Well, good morning once again, and a warm welcome again to our service and to those of you online. We've got uh, chapter 18 of Exodus, and it's been a pretty dramatic few weeks. We've had uh, Moses encountering God himself. We've had some uh, pretty fiery encounters with the mighty Pharaoh. We've had a series of devastating plagues. We've had a, a dramatic meal and escape through the Red Sea. We've had clouds uh, of fire and, and clouds that guide them through the desert. We've had a, a miraculous provision of food. And last week, uh, sorry, before that, we had uh, water poured out from a rock. No, it was last week. And, and an epic battle as well. A bit of a, a feast of action. And now we get to Exodus 18 and we have a whole chapter that's sort of dedicated to Moses and his family and particularly his father-in-law, Jethro. He's described right at the beginning as the uh, priest of Midian, but then 13 times in one chapter he's described as Moses' father-in-law. And it might seem a little tame, this chapter, compared to some of the sort of dramatics of previous chapters and some of the chapters we're coming to soon might seem a little bit tame. Family reunions can be nice times sometimes, even with your in-laws there. If you get on with them, it's a real blessing. But most of the time, they're not that eventful, are they? Most of the times, meeting with in-laws aren't the sort of thing you would write home about. But This meeting with his in-laws didn't just get written down, it found its way into our Bibles. And sometimes we have to ask with certain passages in the Bible, well, why is it in there? Why is this chapter in in the Bible? Why are we spending half an hour or so on a Sunday morning in 2024 hearing about a a family reunion with Moses and his father-in-law? I don't know whether any of you watch uh, Death in Paradise the uh, slightly ridiculous, light-hearted detective drama on the BBC based in the Caribbean. And uh, the the chief detective in pretty much every episode, the chief detective always gets fixated on some tiny little thing that everyone else is completely bemused by. So it might be like a a bottle top, or it might be an unfinished game of bingo, or it might be like a, a pen lid that's missing. The pen's there, but the lid's missing. And he spends so much time, but where's the lid? What... What's going on with the lid? And everyone else is just like, what are you going on about? We've got a murder to solve. Yeah, but this pen is missing a lid. What's up with the lid? And you see, that the point is, is that the writers, they know what they're doing. And so you get to the end, and, and the lid, or whatever it is, the game of bingo, or whatever it is, is nearly always crucial to solving it. And you realise that that little thing, which seems so insignificant, actually was really important. And it's a little bit like that with Exodus. It's a family reunion. Moses updates Jethro on what's been going on, what God's done. Jethro gives him some admittedly very useful leadership advice. And that's kind of it. And you kind of think, well, that seems a bit insignificant. But we've got to remember that God is the the great author of the whole Bible. He knows what he's doing. He's pulling this story together. He's weaving it all together. And so there is a significance of this chapter in in the Bible for us this morning. So, let's dive in. And we're going to see, firstly, 
the first day of the family reunion, the first day of the family reunion, verses 1 to 12 of Exodus 18. In the first seven verses, we see that uh, Jethro comes to Moses and he brings his daughter, Moses' wife, with him. And he also brings his two children, Gershom, who we've met in a previous chapter, and Eliza, which means the God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. It's a good name, isn't it? So those are his two children. We don't know the details of exactly when Moses sent his wife and children back to his father-in-law. There's quite a bit of speculation, but I'm not going to go into it because no one's quite sure. And the other interesting thing about this is it talks about them being at the mountain of God. What's interesting is next week, at the beginning of chapter 19, we see them arriving at the mountain of God. So how does that work? Well, it's possible that we jump forward in time. Maybe we jump forward a year. That might explain if he's already had sort of the commands from God, how Moses knows some of the commands that we get onto later. Again, we're not 100% sure, so I'm not going to spend much time speculating on that. But hopefully that gives a, a bit of background. The, the, the mountain of God, Mount Sinai, and there's his family reunion. And, and Moses gives them a warm welcome. Moses gives his father-in-law respect when he arrives. And after some pleasantries, they go into a tent together. And Moses tells Jethro everything that God has been doing. So hearing what God has done. This is verse 8. Then Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake. All the hardship that had come upon them in the way and how the Lord had delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced for all the good that the Lord had done to Israel in that he delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord, who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, and out of the hand of Pharaoh, and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods, because in this affair they dealt arrogantly with the people. You see, Jethro, who you remember was a Midianite, he he was not an Israelite, he praises... And he worships Moses' God. And that is a radically different response to how the Egyptians reacted and, of course, to how the Amalekites reacted, as we saw last week. He says, now I know that the God of Moses is greater than all the other gods. See, there's been this shift in his understanding. You know, he would have known about God before. He would have chatted to Moses before and, and Moses' family. He would have known about God. But now he doesn't just sort of know a bit more about God. Now he comes to know that God is God. He knows that God is the God. And he's full of worship and praise. It's a little bit like, do you remember in the story of Naaman, when he's healed from his leprosy? And what does he say? He says, now I know that there is no God in all the world apart from this God. And what Jethro says here is significant because back in chapter 10 God tells Moses that he's going to deal with the Egyptians and why is he going to deal with the Egyptians? Partly to, to rescue his people but so that those who hear about it may know that I am the Lord. God does it so that all those who hear about it will know that I am the Lord. And here's Jethro and he's heard about it and he's come to know that God is God. 
God has done these amazing things so that people will know he is God. But not just the Israelites will know God is God. Even further back in chapter 9, God tells Pharaoh, he says, by the way, Pharaoh, I've raised you up, I've made you powerful, so that when I show you my power, my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. My name will be proclaimed in all the earth. Not just Israel, but the whole earth. God's big plan is that the whole world is going to hear about his name. The whole world is going to hear what he's done and have the opportunity to be blessed by him, that he will bless people from all nations. And Jethro is at the start of that. He's like a little taster of what is to come. Someone from another nation who comes to know God and comes to worship him. You know, thousands of years later, thousands of years after this, there's another group of people and they are meeting together and they too are worshipping God and they are claiming to know God personally. And they're at a little place in Kroba called Forestfold because that's us. You see, we too can claim to know God for ourselves. And many of us here have heard the miraculous things that God has done. If you've been here the last few weeks, you've seen miraculous things in Exodus. But we've heard more than that, haven't we? Not just God rescuing his people from Egypt, but we've heard how Jesus conquered the grave, how he rose again from death, how he sets us free from captivity to sin, and how he offers us eternal life. We've heard those miraculous things that God has done. And many of us here this morning can say, now I know that God is God because of what he's done. Now I know that God is God. And we, like Jethro, have rejoiced and been glad when we've heard the wonderful things that God has done. And his name is being proclaimed throughout the whole world today. You know, in the Old Testament, only a few people from different nations came to hear about God and came to worship him. But in the New Testament, the gospel bursts out, doesn't it? burst out across the world in all different directions. And millions and millions of people now worship God as their God. This is what Jesus says. He says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is eternal life. This is how you receive eternal life, that you know God as the only true God and Jesus Christ whom God has sent. Do you know God? I don't just mean, would you get 10 out of 10 if I gave you a quiz on God? I mean, do you know God for yourself? Do you know God personally? Do you know Jesus as your saviour, his son who he sent? If you do, the Bible says, you have eternal life. That's all it takes to know God and to worship him. But be warned, the Bible does also say if we don't acknowledge him, then it is very strong in its warning that we will face the same judgment as the Egyptians and the Amalekites did. And what did Moses do so that Jethro worshipped? What did he do? He simply told him what God had done. 
He just narrated what God had done for them. He didn't use clever tactics. He didn't talk about how wonderful a leader he was. He simply told them, this is what God has done for us. And Jethro came to worship God through that. This is what we're called to do if we're Christians today. To tell others what God has done for us. To tell others of the great rescue that God has performed for us. How he's freed us from sin. How he's given us life. And how he's a God worth worshipping. It's to do it with our neighbours, with our colleagues, with those around us. And as Christians all around the world do that, his name is proclaimed in all the world. And just a, a quick word to people who have family members who are not Christians and you'd love them to come to know God. Here we have a, a story of a family member, a father-in-law, who came to know God and to worship him for himself. And as a demonstration of his new faith, what happens? Well, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. He offers a burnt offering and sacrifices so that his sins are dealt with, so that he's made acceptable before God. And then he comes and in the presence of the elders and in the presence of God, they enjoy a meal together, fellowship together. Uh, and it's a symbol of him joining uh, God's people. The New Testament would describe it as being sort of grafted into God's people. He was an outsider. He was a Midianite. He was a Gentile. But now he's been welcomed into God's people. And you know, all of us here, I, I suspect, are Gentiles, and yet we can be welcomed in to the, the, the people of God. We don't have to offer burnt offerings and, and animal sacrifices like Jethro did, but by the sacrifice of Jesus, we can be grafted into God's people. We can become his children. We can be recognised as his. And one day, all the people who know God for themselves, as it says in Revelation 7, will be gathered in this multitude that no one can count, and people will be there from every tribe and nation, and language, and people. That'll be a pretty special gathering that we can look forward to. So that's day one of the, the family reunion. But in verse uh, 13, it starts off and it says, the next day, the next day. So we're going to look at the next day, verses 13 to 27. And in this section, we're going to be hearing what God says. Or we're going to be thinking about them hearing what God says specifically. Moses had a good day yesterday with his father-in-law, sharing about what God has done. It's been a good day, but now it's a new day. It's time to get back to his leadership responsibilities. And as we'll see next week, the people themselves can't access God. They're not allowed to access God. And so they have to go to Moses, because Moses is the only one that can sort of get close to God and, and can hear God's commands and his teachings and his laws. None of them had the Olive Tree Bible app on their phone. None of them could access Bible Gateway online. None of them had these sort of stashed away in their tent. They just didn't have access to God's word, to God's commands, to God's way of living so when they were unsure of something or when there was a dispute and they couldn't quite work out who was right, 
They went to Moses. Problem is, is that Moses is leading a lot of people. (laughs) A lot of people. Hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people. And they're all in the wilderness and they like to grumble. Can you imagine what that must have been like? That many people in the desert loving a grumble. Imagine the queue. Can read about it in verse 13. Moses sits down and it says, and the people stand around him from morning until evening. Morning until evening, just constantly surrounding him, peppering him with questions and disputes. Must have been exhausting. We sometimes joke, don't we, about how long it takes to see a doctor nowadays. I saw a uh, cartoon this week that made me smile. That is a, a man in a doctor's waiting room and he's just saying to the, the person next to him, there's actually nothing wrong with me, but by the time I see the doctor, there will be. <laughs> and, you know, you can imagine sort of disputes kicking off in the crowd as they're waiting. You know, well, we had one dispute, we've now got two, you know, as they're sort of just getting on each other's nerves. And It reminded me a little bit of the, I was thinking of long queues, the, the queue to see the Queen's Coffin. Approximately 250,000 people, do you remember that queue? Some people it took about 24 hours of queuing to, to walk past. And, and here Moses is doing his best with just this, I mean imagine the amount of disputes there is going on. It's all day long just coming at him. And it's a long day and as one person puts it, he was like the police, the law, the counsellor, the judge, the theologian and the pastor all in one. It's trying to sort of solve all these different things, all these questions. And sometimes it's easier to see things when you're not involved, isn't it? When, sometimes when you're so busy with something and you're so involved, sometimes it's hard to see things as clearly as you'd like to. Sometimes it takes someone from the outside to look in and see clearly what's going on and give a bit of advice. And that's what Jethro does. At the end of the day, he pulls Moses to one side and he says, look, what, what you're doing, you know, trying to do all this by yourself... It's not good. You and, the, you and the people will certainly wear yourselves out. For the thing is too heavy for you. You're not able to do it alone. Jethro can see burnout approaching for Moses fast. So he gives him some advice. Now, obey my voice. I will give you advice and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. And you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. So that's step one of what Jethro says. Teach them the ways of God. Warn them of his commands. Warn them of what they must not do. And teach them of the way they should live. Step one. And then step two. Look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe. And place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties and of tens. And let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. Jethro says, look, get competent people in. People who are competent, people who love God, who love what is right, who aren't tempted to be bribed, because bribery is a sort of key thing in leadership, isn't it? People wanting things for themselves. Moses says, get people not like that, who, who love God, who want to serve, who people will respect and trust. Get them in to help you. So, Jethro says, it will be easier for you 
and they will bear the burden with you. They will sort of hold the, the burden with you, make it easier for you. But there's more than that. And, Jethro says, if you do this, God will direct you, you'll be able to endure, and all these people will go to their place in peace. See that? Jethro says all these people will go in peace. Whereas there's all this grumbling, no one's really getting seen to, or not, not like they should be. Everyone's going to go home in peace because everyone's going to have God's word applied, have a, a fair judge in their case. It's going to lead to peace amongst all the people and it will be better for you, Moses. So Moses listened to the voice of, the fa- of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Now, this is a good example of humble leadership. You know, he, he could have easily played the, look, I'm not listening to you, Jethro. <laughs> I'll listen to God and I'll listen to God alone. You know, he could have played that card, but he didn't. He recognised his uh, limitations and he recognised the wisdom in what Jethro was saying. He's not too proud to delegate. He's not too proud to trust others. You know, he, he doesn't sort of say, well, what if they're not as wise as me? What if they're not as good as me? No, he, he delegates. So Moses is not going to burn out, and that's good news. And there's going to be peace in the people, and that's good news. But even more importantly, the thing that Moses is really aiming to do, teach the people God's ways, help them understand God's laws, that is going to be done better than it was before. So the people are going to understand more God's ways, God's commands, how God wants us to live. You know, praise God that we don't have to go to someone to find out all about God's laws. Because every single one of us has so much access to this, don't we? Phones, computers, obviously hard copies. We have such an easy access to all of God's law, to God's commands, to how we're to live. Such easy access. Do we use it? Do, do we sort of appreciate the, the accessibility we have of it? Sometimes it's almost so accessible that we, we don't use it. We should do. And praise God as well that now, in, in, in New Testament times, we have a much better Moses. We have Jesus who reveals God to us much better than Moses ever could to the people. Jesus, the Son of God, who shows us what God is like because he is God. So we have a much better Moses. But God also understands that we need teaching and we need help and advice from other people around us. And so each church is to have pastors and to have elders. Elders are to be men who lead like Jesus. Pretty much all the requirements because like Moses had, there is a list of requirements. Pretty much all the requirements for elders are character-based. Apart from one thing, the only competency-based thing is being able to teach. Able to teach, because it's so important that people are taught the Word of God. One of our key roles is to teach and to apply the Word of God to everyday lives. Help you understand it. 
help you understand how it impacts life and decisions. And in Acts, in Acts chapter 6 in the New Testament, a, a different problem comes up as well. And that's that the, the elders are doing their job, but they're also really busy with other things. There's just so much going on. And so what do they do? They appoint deacons. And the deacons help with the really practical things of the church. And I'm so grateful for the deacons in this church who do so much. And what does that mean? What it means is that it frees up the elders to be able to teach, to be able to give counsel, spiritual counsel to those who need it, to bring God's word to bear in people's lives. John has plenty of responsibility on his shoulders as it is. Imagine if he didn't have other elders or deacons to support him. (laughs) But it's not just elders and deacons who can support John in his role. Older men are to teach younger men how to live, to, to give advice, to disciple. Older women are to be the ones to teach younger women how to live, to be spiritual guides in their lives. And then we have Thrive and Rooted and uh, YPs and First Steps and the prison work and, um, and all sorts where people have different responsibilities within that, but we all have a responsibility to teach those that we lead, sort of pass it on to those we lead so that they understand that the message of God. Because life can be so complex, can't it? There can be so many grey areas in life where it's just not clear what the right thing is to do, or where we become a bit hazy in our in our understanding, or maybe there's things that we're not seeing properly and we need someone to help us see clearly. We need people to teach us the word of God, help us know what's good, what is right. Now, I'm so thankful for John. And uh, I know that, um, you know, if you have a, a problem, you can take it to John. And I know that he will do his absolutely best to support you. But it's not right or wise, is it, that everything in the church, big and small things, that everything is taken to John as a sort of first port of call. I uh, heard a pastor talking in uh, Australia yesterday. It wasn't live, but I was watching it yesterday. And uh, and he was just telling a story of a woman who had complained that the church didn't care about her at all. And uh, so the pastor was obviously concerned about this. And so he investigated because, you know, he wanted to, um, to care for her. What he found out was that that woman was being supported by at least seven people in the church. What she meant is that the pastor wasn't visiting. But you see, she was being supported. I'm sure the pastor would have been available if she'd really needed. But in her circumstances, it was wise and helpful for other people to support And I'm so thankful that there are so many here who seek to support John and us in our work and to help to teach and seek to do the work of the kingdom so it doesn't all fall on one person. So we we work together to, to teach people God's ways and also to display what God looks like to those around us. And as we do that, people will come to know God. That they too can say, yeah, I've heard about God. 
and I know him for myself. I, uh, I went for a, a, a walk late last night to just to think and to pray. And uh, I walked past All Saints. And uh, they've got uh, a big poster there for cert. Can any of the kids tell me what cert means? What does cert stand for? Christ is real today. Spot on, well done. Christ is real today. And it just made me think, just as I was walking past, I was so grateful that we're not the only church in Crowborough that has the responsibility of, of, of sharing God with, with the people around us. But actually there's all saints and there's other churches as well who seek to, to share Christ with those around us. And, and we can share that, that burden as we seek to love Crowborough and to, to share God with people. And it's a wonderful thing when we can do that. So, a couple of days with the in-laws. I expect Jethro was there a bit longer than that. We're not sure exactly how long he was. But these were a couple of key days where Jethro was there. And maybe it didn't seem like they were particularly significant. You think, well, how can it affect us in 2024? Well, hopefully I've been able to explain at least a little bit of why these events way back in Moses' day actually tell the story of the Bible and, and impact us here in Crowborough in 2024. Well, we're going to finish by singing. Tell out my soul the greatness of the Lord. Unnumbered blessings, give my spirit voice. It's a song that encourages us to tell out the greatness of the Lord to ourselves and to those around us. So when the music starts, let's stand and sing together.
close in prayer. Lord God, we thank you that we have your word so readily accessible to us. And Lord, I pray that we would delight in reading it and applying it to our lives. Lord, I thank you that we have Jesus, the Son of God, revealed to us so that we can see God. And Lord God, I pray that we would pass it on, that we would tell others so that your name may be glorified through all nations and your name may be lifted up on high and that people from all over the world might say, now I know that God is God and they may worship you and rejoice in your goodness and look forward to eternal life. Lord, I pray that you would bless us as we go away from this place, help us to remember these things, Keep us safe, I pray, and bring us back safely together later. In Jesus' name, amen.